0: Chapters 18 through 25 of Fraternal Charity by Father Valwe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 18 Extent and Delicacy of God's Charity for Men. In order to excite ourselves to fraternal charity, let us try and picture that of God for us. After having had us present in his thoughts from all eternity, he has called us from nothingness to life. He himself formed man's body and animating it with a breath, enclosed in it an immortal soul, created to his own image. Scarcely arrived on the threshold of life, we found an officer from his court an angel deputed to protect accompany and conduct us in triumph to our heavenly inheritance what a superb palace he has prepared for us in this world supplied with a prodigious variety of flowers fruits and animals which he has placed at our disposal we were a fallen race and he sent his son to raise us and save us from hell which we merited the word was made flesh he took a body and soul like ours thus ennobling and deifying so to speak our human nature before ascending to his heavenly father after having been immolated for us on the cross for fear of leaving us orphans he wished to remain amongst us in the holy eucharist to nourish us with his flesh and to infuse into our hearts his divine spirit as the living promise and the delicious foretaste of the felicity and glory which he went to prepare for us in his kingdom truly o god you treat us not only with a paternal love but with an infinite respect and honour and cannot i love and honour those whom you have thus honoured and loved yourself why do not these thoughts inflame my charity in the fire of your divine love my brethren and myself are children of god and members of jesus christ my brethren have their angels who are companions of my angel one day my brethren will be my companions in glory chanting eternally the divine praises It is but a short time since with them i partook of the heavenly banquet of the most holy sacrament and to-morrow shall do so again chapter nineteen extent and delicacy of the charity of jesus christ during his mortal life let us now admire the charity of our divine saviour while on earth if wine was wanting at a feast if fishermen laboured in vain during the night if a vast crowd knew not where to procure food in the desert if unfortunate persons were possessed by devils or deprived of the use of their limbs if death deprived a father of his daughter or a widow of an only son jesus was there to supply what was wanting to give back what was lost or to sweeten all their griefs sometimes he forestalled the petition by curing before being asked or by exciting the wavering faith he generally went beyond the demands of the petitioners he was always ready to interrupt his meal to go to a distance or to quit his solitude nicodemus as yet trembling and timid came to find jesus during the night and he did not hesitate to sacrifice his sleep by prolonging the conversation the samaritan woman was not beneath his notice although he was fatigued after a long journey he lavished with prodigality his caresses on the children who pressed around him when the crowd was so great that the poor woman with the flow of blood could not come within reach of his hand He caused an all-powerful virtue to set out from him and a simple touch of the hem of his garments supplied instead with what charming grace his benefits were accomplished zacchaeus come down quickly for i will abide this day in thy house who more than he excelled in the art of making agreeable surprises in his apparitions to magdalen to the holy women to the disciples at emmaus did he not pay well for the ointment the tears and the perfumes and the hospitality he received from them who is not moved with emotion when he sees his lord preparing a meal for the apostles on the lake shore or asking peter thrice to give him an opportunity of publicly repairing his triple denial lovest thou me who would not be moved when he hears what st clement relates having heard it from st peter that our lord was accustomed to watch like a mother with her children near his disciples during their sleep to render them any little service o jesus the sweetest the most amiable the most charitable of the children of men make me a sharer in your mildness your love and your charity. Chapter 20 First Preservative How to Fortify Ourselves Against Uncharitable Conversations, the Principal Danger to Fraternal Charity. To meditate on what the Holy Scripture says of it, Place, O Lord, a guard before my mouth, Psalm 140, a vigilant sentinel well armed to watch and if necessary to arrest in the passing out any unbecoming word and a door before my lips which being tightly closed will never let an uncharitable dart escape shut in your ears with a hedge of thorns to counteract the tongue which would pour into them the poison of uncharitableness and refuse to listen to the wicked tongue put before your mouth several doors and on your ears several locks that is put doors upon doors and locks upon locks because the tongue is capable in its fury to force open the first door and break the first lock melt your gold and silver and make for your words a balance weighing them all before uttering them and have for your mouth solid bridles which are tightly held for fear that the tongue getting the better of your vigilance will break loose and do mischief in all directions considering these many barriers and formidable checks must we not see the necessity of burying in a well fortified prison that most dangerous monster the tongue ah truly death and life are in the power of the tongue proverbs chapter eighteen and although the sword has been the instrument of innumerable murders the tongue has at all times beaten it in producing death ecclesiasticus chapter twenty eight it forms but a small part of the body and has done mighty evil as the helm badly directed causes the wreck of a fine ship and as a spark may enkindle a forest unquiet evil inflamed firebrand source of deadly poison world of iniquity st james chapter three chapter twenty one second preservative to meditate on what the saints say st bonaventure relates that st francis of assisi said to his religious one day uncharitable conversation is worse than the assassin because it kills souls and becomes intoxicated with their blood it is worse than the mad dog because it tears out and drags on all sides the living entrails of the neighbour it is worse than the unclean animal because it wallows in the filth of vices and makes its favourite pasture there it is worse than ham because it exposes everywhere the nasty spots which soil the face of religion its mother st bernard goes further do not hesitate to regard the tongue of the backbiter as more cruel than the iron of the lance which pierced our Saviour's side because it not only pierces his sacred side but one of his living members also to whom by its wound it gives death it is more cruel than the thorns with which his venerable head was crowned and torn and even than the nails with which the wicked jews fashioned his sacred hands and feet to the cross because if our divine saviour did not esteem more highly the member of his mystic body which is pierced by the foul tongue of the slanderer than his own natural body formed by the operation of the holy ghost in the chaste womb of the virgin mary he would never have consented to deliver the latter to ignominies and outrages to spare the former now st francis and st bernard are here speaking to religious is it possible then for backbiting to glide into religious communities yes certainly and it is by this snare that satan catches souls which have escaped all others st jerome says there are few who avoid this fault amongst those even who pride themselves on leading an irreproachable life you will scarcely find any who do not criticize their brethren rarely without doubt but too often nevertheless we calumniate at first secretly Or with one or two friends afterwards openly and in public we speak of the mistakes shortcomings and defects great and small and sometimes transmit them as a legacy sometimes we use a moderate hypocrisy by purposely letting ourselves be questioned and sometimes brutally attack our victim without shame have i then may the religious thus attacked say In making my vows renounced my honour and delivered my character to pillage has my position as religious has the majesty of the king of kings of whom i have become the intimate friend in place of ennobling me degraded me you call yourselves my brethren and yet there are none who esteem me less you would not steal my money and yet you make no scruple of stealing my character a thousand times more precious you pay court to your saviour and persecute his child the same tongue on which reposes the holy of holies spreads poison and death is this to be the result of your study and practice of virtue has not jesus christ by so many communions placed a little sweetness on your tongue and a little charity in your heart. By eating the lamb you have become wolves, as St. John Chrysostom reproached the clergy of Antioch. And you, who fly so carefully the gross vices of the world, have you no care or anxiety about damning yourself by slander. Chapter 22. Third Preservative. To Guard the Tongue. This must be done especially in five circumstances. Number one, at the change of superiors. Do not criticize the outgoing superior nor flatter the new one. Number two, when you replace another religious, never by word or act cast any blame on him. Inexperience or a desire to introduce new customs sometimes causes this to be done. Number three, when you are getting old, because then we are apt to think, erroneously of course, that the young members growing up are incapable of fulfilling duties once accomplished by ourselves. Number four, when religious come from another house, do not ask questions which they ought not to answer, and do not tell them anything which might prejudice or disgust them with the house or anyone in it lastly in our interviews with our particular friends we must be very cautious there are some who when anything goes amiss with them always seek the company of their confidants these should seriously examine before god whether it is a necessary comfort in affliction or a support in weakness or the too human satisfaction of justifying themselves giving vent to their feelings or getting blame and criticism for the superior or someone else they should also examine whether on such occasions they speak the exact truth and whether they seek a friend who knows how to take the arrow sweetly from the wound rather than to bury it deeper The way to find out the gravity of the sin of detraction is number one, to consider the position of him who speaks and the weight which is attached to his words, number two, the position of him who is spoken about and the need he has of his reputation, number three, the evil thing said, number four, the number of the hearers, number five the result of the detraction and lastly the intention of the speaker and the passion which was the cause of it chapter twenty three fourth preservative to be on our guard with certain persons there are six sorts of religious who wound fraternal charity more or less fatally number one those who say to you such a one said so and so about you these are the sowers of discord, whom God Almighty declares he has in abomination. Their tongues have three fangs more terrible than a viper. With one blow, says St. Bernard, they kill three persons themselves, the listeners, and the absent. Number two, those who, obscuring and perverting this amiable virtue, possess the infernal secret of transforming it into vice is not this to sin against the holy ghost number three those who skilfully turn the conversation on those brethren of whom they are jealous in order to have all put in a bad word they thus double the fault they apparently wish to avoid number four those who constantly have their ears cocked to hear domestic news, who are skilful in finding out secrets and picking up stories, whose trade seems to be to take note of all little bits of scandalous news going, and to take them from ear to ear, or worse, from house to house. Oh, what an occupation, what a recreation for a spouse of Christ. Number five. Those who, under pretext of enlivening the conversation, sacrifice their brethren to the vain and cruel wantonness of witticism by relating something funny in order to give a lash of their tongue or to expose some weakness. Alas, they forget that they ruin themselves in the esteem and opinion of the hearers. Number six, critics of intellectual work on this point jealousy betrays itself very easily on one side and susceptibility is stirred on the other the heart is never insensible nor the mouth silent when we are wounded in so delicate a part it is evident besides that in this case the blame supposes a desire of praise and that in proportion as we endeavour to lower our brethren we try to raise ourselves all these religious ought to be regarded as pests in the community if we call those who maintain fraternal charity the children of god should not those who disturb it be called the children of satan do they not endeavour to turn the abode of peace into a den of discord and the sanctuary of prayer into a porch of hell chapter twenty four fifth preservative to be cautious in letter-writing and visiting great care must be taken never to repeat anything at visits or in letters which might compromise the honour of the community or any of its members never utter a word or write a syllable which might in the least degree diminish the esteem or lower the merit of any one every well-reared person knows that little family secrets must be kept under lock and key st jane francis de chantal writes to mention rashly outside the community without great necessity the faults of religious would be great impudence never relate outside even to ecclesiastics frivolous complaints and lamentations without foundation which serve only to bring religion and those who govern therein into disrepute certainly we ought to be jealous of the honor and good odor of religious houses which are the family of god guard this as an essential point which requires restitution chapter twenty five sixth preservative caution in communication with superiors in communications made to superiors say the exact truth and for a good purpose do not speak into other ears that which strictly speaking should only be told to the local superior or superior general with the exception of extraordinary cases or when it refers to a bad habit or something otherwise irremediable there is generally little charity and less prudence in telling the superior general of something blamable which has occurred do not reveal even before superior confidences which conscience probity or friendship require to be guarded with an inviolable seal of friendship if we write a complaint about a personal offence lessen it rather than exaggerate and endeavour to praise the person for good qualities, because nothing is easier than to blacken entirely another's reputation. Pray and wait till your emotion be calmed. When passion holds the pen, it is no longer the ink that flows, but spleen, and the pen is transformed into a sword. Before speaking or writing to the superior, it would be well to put this question to ourselves am i one of those proud spirits who expose the faults of others in order to show off their own pretended virtues or jealous spirits who are offended at the elevation of others or vindictive spirits who like to give tit for tat or polite spirits who wish to appear important or ill-humoured narrow-minded spirits scandalized at trifles or credulous inconsiderate spirits who believe and repeat everything the bad rather than the good in fine am i a hypocrite who clothing malice with the mantle of charity and hiding a cruel pleasure under the veil of compassion weep with the victim they intend to immolate as though profoundly touched by his misfortune and seemed to yield only to the imperative demands of duty and zeal chapter twenty five